You're listening to the Simple Power Podcast, where we think practically about the presence and the power of God. As always, I'm your host, the Duke Lamastra, and it's awesome that you're here. In this week's episode, I'm going to talk about, actually, I'm going to answer the question, should the believer speak in tongues? And I want to give the biblical perspective for speaking in tongues. So that's what we're going to cover today. So before we just jump into the passages of scripture and things like that that talk about speaking in tongues specifically, just want to lay a little bit of foundation. Now, if you are following along in your Bible, that'd be awesome. If not, that's cool. I'm going to read it. But Luke chapter 24, I want to read verse 49. We're going to start there. Now, this is the very end of the gospel of Luke. And this is after Jesus had died and rose from the dead and he had been with his disciples for 40 days. And he had been, you know, coming and going, appearing, disappearing, all that stuff. But he'd been with them, and now he's at the point where he's about to ascend up back to heaven to be with his Father, seated at the right hand of the Father. And he says these words, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. And notice that that word promise is actually capitalized because he's not talking about something. He's talking about someone. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And so if you go to the beginning of the book of Acts, you'll see these words. The former account I made, O Theophilus. So Luke was writing to this guy named Theophilus. And the former account that he's talking about was his gospel, the gospel of Luke. And so now we get to the book of Acts. And he's basically picking up where he left off and continuing the story. So here in the book of Acts, this first chapter is where we actually see Jesus ascending to his father. But look, in verse 4 of Acts chapter 1, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Again, promise is capitalized because it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So it was the desire of Jesus. Those words are in red letters in my Bible. It was the desire of Jesus that his people be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, jump ahead to verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, so on and so forth. He says, you will receive power. That's the power that he talked about at the end of Luke chapter 24. You'll be endued with power from on high. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come up on you. Now, pay attention to that word, upon. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. Think about it like this, when he comes up and on you. Because here's the deal. The moment of your salvation experience, the moment that you gave your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. You were made a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Spirit of God set up his residence inside of you. You are the dwelling place of God on earth. You are, the Bible tells us, the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. Your spirit is the place of God. So the spirit of God lives within you. So that happened at the moment that you gave your life to to Jesus, that you accepted his free gift of life and righteousness and salvation. When you said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, or whatever you said, when you gave your life to him, he came to set up his residence within you. 
That's not something that comes and goes. He doesn't leave you when you mess up and stuff like that. He's always on the inside of you. So look, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not necessary for your salvation. Let me just get that point out there right now. Because there are some believers who maybe would tell you something like, well, you're not a real Christian if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're not a real Christian if you don't speak in tongues. You're not as good of a Christian if you don't speak in tongues. You're like a second tier Christian. You can't do certain, like, like they'll put stuff on you and it just becomes weight and bondage and guilt and condemnation, all that kind of stuff. And that stuff is never godly. Okay. So the Bible talks about desiring spiritual gifts. We're actually going to look at that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 in a few minutes. But the Bible talks about desiring spiritual gifts. You should desire spiritual gifts. Absolutely. But not at the behest of somebody putting judgment on you because you're not a good enough Christian until you get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues and all this kind of stuff. All right? Let me just tell you, because you probably get the point already. I do believe in speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues. I pray in tongues, worship in tongues, all that stuff. I believe that it's so amazing and that it is an amazing gift. But I do not believe, and I think it's very anti-biblical to say that it's required for your salvation, or that you're a second-class Christian if you don't speak in tongues, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely not true. I believe it to be an, a, a marvelous gift of God that will help you grow, and it will help you experience His power and presence more in your life. It's not a gift that He, he doesn't give gifts for no reason. There's a reason to it. And my thinking is, if God wants to give me a gift, I might as well receive it. But if you don't think that it's for you, if you don't believe that it's for you, I'm going to share some scripture that's going to point out, I believe that it's for everybody. But don't come under bondage or condemnation or anything like that because of what you think or because of what you believe. You were saved the moment that you gave your life to Jesus. The Bible says you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Romans 10 verse 9 you get saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, period. There's no like asterisk on that. Oh, plus you need the baptism. No, it's not necessary for salvation. But I'm going to show you some of the benefits that I believe are very, very clear in Scripture of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The first thing is, I think that it's just, it's something that he wants for us. He wants us to experience all of him. He wants us to experience his fullness. And so I believe that it's for every single Believer, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power. You'll receive power. That right there, I think, is a really good reason to desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Let's fast forward a chapter. Now we're in Acts chapter 2. And when we get to Acts chapter 2, the these people, this group of 120 believers, the, the initial 12 disciples minus Judas, uh, plus some others were gathered together with them in this upper room in Jerusalem and they're praying together. They're gathered together. Jesus said, wait until you're in due with power from on high. We don't know what that means or what it looks like, but he said, wait. So we're just going to wait. We're going to pray. We're going to fellowship. We're going to do whatever. So they're praying basically for 10 days straight and they're in this upper room in Jerusalem. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, verse 1, they were all in one, in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here's the deal. This was the initial outpouring or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, the word baptism, it means to be completely submerged. That's what that word means. That's why I don't believe in sprinkling you to get baptized in water, sprinkling with water, because the baptism, the part where you're under the water, is representative of your burial with Christ. Colossians chapter 2 says that we were buried with Christ in baptism. I don't know how you get sprinkled and get buried. You've got to go into the water. You've got to, it, it, Jesus wasn't sprinkled with dirt. He was in a tomb. All right. So the, the word baptized though means to be submerged. So if you're baptized in water, you're submerged in water. You're under the water for a second. And then you come out. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you are submerged in the Holy Spirit. That just sounds amazing. I don't know why you wouldn't want that. No condemnation, but I don't know why you wouldn't want to be submerged in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Jesus said in John chapter 3, that, that, he, that he gives the Spirit without measure. The Spirit of God, he's poured out on us without measure. So we can always desire more and more of him. All right, but anyway, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. Now, this is where the big debate comes in. Is speaking in tongues the only initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And I'm not going to go so far as to say that, that it is. But we'll look at a couple different examples here throughout the book of Acts where they, a group of people was baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled with the Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues. Actually, for the sake of time, I'm probably not even going to cover it. But you'll find one in Acts chapter 10. And you'll find another one in Acts chapter 19, verse 6. And the one in Acts chapter 10, you'll find it, I think, verses 42 through 46, right in that ballpark there. And it says that they spoke in, that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. Or they were filled with the Spirit. I can't remember which word it uses. And they spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter 19, verse 6, says that they were they were baptized or they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and it says that they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. Remember, you'll be filled with power. You'll be endued or clothed in power from on high when you receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8. Right? So, in, in that instance, there was the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy present. So I don't believe that speaking in tongues is the only thing that happens or is the only evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right, let me read to you some verses here at the end of Acts chapter 2, because here's what happened in Acts chapter 2. Uh, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, I believe you can use those two terms interchangeably. Uh, one explanation that I really like is, um, you know, the first time that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's your baptism. Uh, but after that, then, you know, every time that you're filled with the Holy Spirit from then going forward, it's called being filled or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I don't really care how you define it. I think that, that you can use baptism and filling 
interchangeably. If you want to say you were baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled in the Holy Spirit, if you want to say that you got baptized in the Holy Spirit over and over and over again, I think that's totally fine because again, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit just means to be submerged in the Holy Spirit. He comes, remember, he comes up and on you. So the Spirit of God who is already within you, he comes up and on you. A good word for that is the word overflow. If you have a glass of water and it's half full, and then you pour some more water in it, what's going to happen? The water that's inside is going to come up and come up, and then it's going to overflow. It's going to come up and on (laughs) the outside of that glass. So there's an overflow that happens, and that's why it's a release of power, often for the purpose of ministry. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 2. Peter actually stood up in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking in tongues. It was 9 o'clock in the morning, and all these people were around, and they thought that they were drunk, because they were speaking in other languages and all this kind of stuff. But Peter stands up. He's like, no, we're not drunk. It's only nine (laughs) o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk. But, and then he begins to go and he teaches, he preaches this message. And that day, 3,000 people got saved. They went from 120 to 3,120 people in a day because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So at the end of Peter's sermon here, Uh, In Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's talking about water baptism. In the name of Jesus, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. So he's like, look, this promise of the of the Holy Spirit, it's for you. It's to you, to your children, and to all those who are afar off. It's for generation after generation is what he was basically saying. So that's what I look to, you know, and to me that tells me that this is not something that's selective or reserved for a few people or a certain kind of Christian or for some elite Christian or a better Christian or someone who's ate all their Wheaties and prayed all the right prayers and put the right scriptures up on the refrigerator and, and been to enough church services. No, you can get saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit on the same day. It's, it's okay. You don't have to, there's not all these rules and regulations attached to it. It's for everybody that wants it. It's a free gift. Like the free gift of salvation is for everybody. But God's not going to force it on anybody. And this is not a a gift that, that determines whether or not you're saved or you're right with God or you're a good Christian or a bad Christian. But I do believe that it is something that is for you. Um, and it's something that God wants to use to bless you and to bring increase into your life. Now, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is a passage of scripture that more than any other place in the Bible really breaks down speaking in tongues. And I'm going to kind of rapid fire go through this, but I want to give you some of the reasons or benefits for speaking in tongues. So first of all, this is the verse I told you I was going to get to. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So here he's talking about prophecy. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. I recently um, just saw something new in this verse uh, that was new revelation for me. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. 
Pursue love. When you pursue love above all else, then the desire for spiritual gifts comes into the right place and into proper alignment. Some people get so zealous for spiritual gifts that it becomes all about the miracle and all about this and all about the laying on of hands and all about the prophecy. And people really do get out of balance. And when love and compassion is not at the foundational level of the life of the believer, then, yeah, we've all seen people take spiritual gifts and use them in a wrong way, where they've actually abused them, they've abused people, they've hurt people, they've put people under condemnation, and all kinds of stuff. But that doesn't mean that the prophetic gifting is wrong. It doesn't mean that the gift of tongues, or the gift of healing, or the laying on of hands, the working of miracles words of knowledge. It doesn't mean any of those things are wrong. Those things are in the Bible and they're taught and they're gifts of the Holy Spirit to empower us. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. You know, and so maybe you've encountered spiritual uh, abuses with some of these spiritual gifts and stuff like that. And 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 if, and if you have, believe me, I, I feel your pain. Um, and I'm sorry that you that you've lived that and that you've gone through that. But... It doesn't change the fact that God wants to bless you and to endue you with power from on high. All right. So he says, especially that you may prophesy. In verse two, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. I'm going to say one thing about this verse. I'm going to come back to it in a minute. When you speak in tongues, it says that you speak to God. You don't speak to men, but you speak directly to God. That's a cool benefit in my book right there, that when you speak in tongues, that you actually speak, you communicate directly with God. Most of the time, you don't have any idea what you're saying, but you're communicating with God, and he knows what you're saying, all right? So it becomes a prayer language. Now, there is the such thing, what happened in Acts chapter 2 when they spoke in other tongues, they actually spoke in other people's languages. And the people that were there, they heard what, what was being said in their own language. And it was a really amazing miracle that took place there. So there's times when that happens where God will give a tongue that's actually another language and you can speak it and someone in, from that language will understand. I've been in plenty of services where that's been the case and that's happened. It's amazing. It's an awesome thing that God does. But there's also the such thing as the prayer language of tongues. And that's this language that it's not to speak to men, but to God. And it's a way, it's another way of communicating, of praying, of worshiping God. Verse three, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Verse four, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So obviously prophecy is awesome. He's really talking about prophecy in those first few verses. But he's not belittling tongues. He's just saying, look, when you prophesy, that's for the edification of others. When you speak in tongues, that's for your personal edification. That word edify means to build up. So when you speak in tongues, you build yourself up. And I don't know about you, but I can use all the help that I can get. And so I need to speak in tongues or I, I see the value in speaking in tongues a lot. If you go down uh, further, I think it's in the same passage. Paul's like, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> so Paul himself, is he spoke in tongues a lot. For him to be able to say, I speak in tongues more than you all, he spoke in tongues a lot. And this is, I think, a really good reason why um, it's valuable and beneficial and that we should desire to speak in tongues is because we get to edify ourselves or we build ourselves up. 
Verse 9 says, So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. Uh, There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So Paul is putting some balance there to speaking in tongues. He's like, look, don't come walking up to somebody like, hey, shakata, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's not going to help them. That's not going to edify them. They're going to think you're a nut job. And that and, and that's going to be about it. Unless it's a prophetic moment and God has given you actually the language of that person in a tongue and you speak and it's more of a prophetic utterance that speaks to that person. But he's saying in general, and he's correcting things, he's putting things in order here because there were a lot of abuses of spiritual gifts going on in the Corinthian church. They had a lot of gifts in operation. And so that's why Paul had to come and he had to put some balance and some structure and some instruction and things like that because people were getting out of hand with stuff and just like going crazy with like everybody in the church standing up to prophesy and stuff like that. So he is setting some order. I'm not saying we do things out of order, but that doesn't also mean that we don't do them at all. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. And that word interpret really has to do with getting the revelation. So another way that this could be interpreted would be, let he who speaks in a tongue pray that he may get the revelation. Now, here's another really cool benefit of speaking in tongues, is that you can actually receive the revelation or the interpretation of your own tongue. So here's what happens sometimes. Have you ever been in a moment where you know you need to pray or you want to pray for somebody, but you just don't have the words? Maybe you're tired or maybe you've prayed and you've ran out of words to say. When I'm in those moments, the first thing that I generally do is I spend a a minute or two just praying in tongues. And that's what I do. I don't have the words or I don't know exactly how I should start. So I just start praying in tongues. And then what happens as I start praying in tongues, not understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth, suddenly these thoughts just begin to come into my mind. And all of a sudden it's direction for prayer for that person. So maybe I'm like, okay, well, I got to pray for Jeff. I'm not really sure what I need to pray for. So Father, I just begin to pray in tongues and I'm praying 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 in tongues. And all of a sudden, yeah, so Father, I just thank you for Jeff's new job. And I just ask you that you, and and so I, I, I got direction. It was just something so subtle or simple as a thought that came into my mind. But I just believe that that's the simplicity of the voice of God. And the that revelation of of God bringing that thought into your mind based on that that prayer that you were praying in the spirit. Now let me say here, you may have heard pray in tongues, speak in tongues, um, pray in the spirit, pray in the Holy Ghost, the spirit praying through you. It's all talking about the same thing. The, the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. It's all talking about the same thing. So don't get caught up or confused by the terminology there. All right, verse 14, keep going here. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. That your spirit actually prays when you pray in tongues. If I'm speaking to you right now in my native tongue, which is English, and my 
physical self, my senses and stuff like that my, are working and my brain and all that is engaged and I'm speaking to you and it's my body that's communicating with you right now, my physical self. But when I pray in a unknown tongue, when I pray in my prayer language of tongues, then my spirit is actually having the opportunity to pray. What is the conclusion then? Verse 15, I, Paul says, will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. In other words, I'll pray and I'll worship both in English or whatever your language is and also with the spirit or in the Holy Spirit or in tongues. Verse 17, well, let me read verse 16. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you are saying? So he's like, if you only speak in tongues or pray in tongues and never with the understanding or in your language that people can understand, then how can somebody agree with you in prayer if they don't know what you're talking about? All right, verse 17, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. That phrase there, give thanks well, and I don't know if I told you, I'm reading from the New King James Version. That phrase there, you give thanks well, if you trace that back to the original words, the Greek language and the original translation, it actually means you give perfected praise. That's the phrase, you give perfected praise when you pray in tongues or speak in tongues or declare in tongues or worship in tongues or praise in tongues, that is a perfect utterance. Why? Because it's coming from the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's the Spirit of God who gives utterance as you open your mouth and let the tongues come out. So it's actually the Spirit of God praying through you you being a willing, a willing vessel, allowing the Holy Spirit to actually pray his prayer through you in partnership. That's an amazing thing because he knows what the situation needs. He knows how to pray perfectly or how to worship perfectly or whatever because we actually allow our spirit to pray in partnership with the Holy Spirit who's praying through us as we pray in tongues. All right. Now, I told you I was going to jump back to verse 2 because I want to share one more thing with you before I wrap this up. This has been a long session here, but I hope it's been helpful to you. So again, verse 2 says, He speaks in, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, my spiritual father, uh, my senior pastor, Dr. Bennett Smith, he always asks this question and he tricks people and he does it on purpose. He says, so when you speak in tongues, you speak directly to God, right? That's what the first half of that verse says. You don't speak to men, but to God. So everybody says, yeah. Okay. So when you speak in tongues, who are you speaking to? And everybody answers, we're speaking to God. So then he says, okay. Now the second part of that verse says, however, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So what is he speaking? Mysteries, or what are you speaking? Mysteries. Okay, so when you speak in tongues, you're speaking directly to God, right? Yes. And when you speak in tongues, you're speaking mysteries, right? Yes. So who are you speaking the mysteries to? So everybody responds, God. But remember what I just said a minute ago, that when you pray in tongues, you're actually yielding to the Holy Spirit who's praying through you. The question is, how can you speak a mystery to God? God knows the language. <laughs> the Holy Spirit knows the language. It's not a mystery to God. It's a mystery to you. 
The Spirit of God is actually speaking something through you that is a mystery to you at the time. But remember that we have the opportunity, according to uh, what verse was it that we read, um, verse 13, to receive the interpretation or get the revelation of what we were praying through in the Spirit. And so again, we don't necessarily understand it. It's, it, it. It can be a mystery to us while it's happening, but we don't fully recognize everything that the Spirit of God is actually doing in us and through us as we pray in tongues. And maybe we get the revelation right then. Maybe it's a revelation that comes six months down the line. But because we've been praying in the Spirit and allowing the Spirit of God Himself to pray through us as we partner with Him, then, then this amazing connection relationship is happening where now when you need something, when you need a word, when you need uh, to hear God's voice, that revelation just comes to you in that moment. I really truly believe that speaking in tongues is so necessary um, really to experience the fullness of the power and of the life that the Spirit of God has for you. I'm not saying you can't experience His power without the, Holy, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you can't experience God's grace and favor without uh, speaking in tongues. I'm not saying that. And by the way, there's a lot of believers who spoke in tongues once, but don't speak in tongues. And that's just some gift that's there. They can go back to it, but right now it's just lying dormant. So that's not helping them either. But what I am saying is that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, baptizing the Holy Spirit, which again, I believe is something that can be done over and over and over and over again throughout your life. When it's said in the scripture, be filled with the Holy Spirit, that original phrase is actually be being filled. It's a continuous thing where we're filled over and over again with the Holy Spirit as we yield ourselves to him. And, you know, you carry his presence with you. And, and so I really believe that, that you can be filled, baptized over and over again. And it's for you to be filled with power. As a believer, you have power. You have power. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you. But remember, it's, it's, it's amplified. It's like take it up a notch um, as the Spirit of God comes upon you and you are submerged in his presence, in his anointing, in the Holy Spirit. And as you pray in tongues, remember, you edify yourself, you build yourself up, you speak directly to God, uh, you get to receive revelation and interpret things by way of the Holy Spirit that can be for you or for somebody else, for you personally, or in your prayer life, or uh, uh, even as a prophetic word for another person. Uh, there are so many benefits to speaking in tongues and obviously to receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Again, I personally believe, my personal assessment here is that this is a gift that God intended for every single person. Not as a forced thing, but just out of wanting to receive all that he has for us. So how do you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It's really, really simple. And actually in John chapter, I think it's John chapter, it's either 11 verse 13 or John chapter 13 verse 11. Let me go there real quick and I'll, I'll give you the, the right verse, but... All right, sorry, it was Luke 11.13. So I had the 11.13, I had the wrong book. All right, so Luke 11.13 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, from what I read in Acts chapter 2, what I see at the end of the Gospel of Luke, and again in Acts chapter 1 about the promise of the Holy Spirit, 
God's no respecter of persons. He doesn't give to one and hold back from another. It's not his nature. And it's not his nature to dangle carrots in front of your face and be like, oh, you can get this if you're good enough. No. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I believe it's as simple as asking. So I'm going to pray a quick prayer. And if you want to pray this with me, maybe you've been desiring to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've even tried it before. Maybe people have laid their hands on you before and tried to get you to speak in tongues and be baptized in the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff. And maybe it just never happened for you. Maybe there was too much pressure in the moment. Maybe you were overthinking it. Maybe they just put too much weight on you or condemnation or guilt or I don't know. All kinds of stuff happen, or maybe it was none of that. Maybe it just didn't happen. I don't know. I don't know why, and I, I'm not going to try to explain it. But uh, I do want you to know that I believe with all my heart that it's for you, and it's as simple as asking and remembering that it's a promise from your heavenly Father that He wants to give you. So, Father, I just thank you for anybody that might be listening to this, and uh, that maybe is is just interested, or they have a desire or longing to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Father, I just ask that you would cancel the assignment of the enemy against them right now. If there's any kind of lies or fear or just wrong thoughts that are maybe there because of something that they experienced or didn't experience in the past or whatever, and that right now, God, that you would just give them peace in their mind to get past that. And Father, I just pray a simple prayer according to your word. You said that you would give us the Holy Spirit if we ask. It's your desire, and you give the Spirit, your Spirit, without measure. And according to your promise that you would fill us with power from on high, uh, that we would receive this promise from the Father of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I just ask you according to your word, anybody that's listening, just baptize them, fill them, whether for the first time or again, in the power of your Holy Spirit. And I ask you, God, for the evidence of speaking in tongues. In Jesus' name. Now, right there where you are, I would just really encourage you, uh, just ask the Lord very, very simply, Lord, baptize me in your Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And by faith, just open your mouth. Just sense his presence. And just by faith, just open your mouth and begin to speak as the Spirit of God gives you utterance. So thank you so much for being here for this week's episode of the Simple Power Podcast. Hey, if this was helpful to you, beneficial to you in any way, I would love to hear from you. Send me a comment. Visit simplepowermedia.com and there you'll be able to send me a message. Also, if you disagree or you agree or you agree with something but not with something else or you have questions, just reach back out to me uh, through social media or through my website and I'd love to have some further conversation with you. Have an awesome week and I look forward to being back with you again on a future episode of the Simple Power Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.